0: The following is a Barrett Sports Media production.
1: We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got
0: breaking news. Breaking news.
1: Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Thank you for hanging out with me on the show today coming up ian castleberry and brandon kravitz the show is going to be ncaa tournament heavy as we look at it from multiple broadcasting angles but we're going to start somewhere else so i put this column up on the website on wednesday talking to five program directors anonymously asking them if you had the chance to hire a talent with as much upside and history of performance and as much baggage as deshaun watson Would you do it? And it's gotten a tremendous response. Most of it has been privately to me via email or direct message on Twitter, but everybody seems to have an opinion on this. And I'm hearing from a lot of people that are calling the program directors that said this would be out of the question for them, uh, scared weak, afraid of cancel culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I get where some of that is coming from, right? Like we used to be very much about second chances and if no legal charges are coming for Deshaun Watson, then you can always lean back on, hey, legally, he didn't do anything wrong, blah, blah, blah. But I do want to cut those program directors some slack because let's say you had an opening and you thought to yourself, oh, there's this guy that played football at USC and with the Bills that I think would make a terrific uh, addition to our sports radio station, and his name is OJ Simpson. You don't think the headlines would be that whatever your sports radio station is, just hired a murderer? I mean, remember, he wasn't found guilty of anything as it relates to his ex-wife and her friend uh, that were killed in, what, 94? I mean, I think there is a certain element of wanting to give talented people second chances that I can totally get. Some of the reaction that has surprised me, though, assumes that it is our responsibility to give people second chances and assumes that the best thing that you can do is say oh the haters be damned but we live in a world of uh protest we live in a world where anybody can reach a ceo or a decision maker when it comes to ad buying with the click of uh, a couple of links on the internet i mean these things are things you have to consider And if you're going to give somebody a second chance, I think before you do it, it makes sense that you would want to, A, be comfortable being able to defend giving that person a second chance, and B, and this is something that nobody brought up uh, in the column or in the responses that I think is like an obvious thing, right? You would want to have a game plan for how you are going to deal with this, a step-by-step of if they do A, we do B, and so there is no right answer. To do you hire somebody with as much upside, as much performance history, and as much baggage as Deshaun Watson. I think I have been pretty honest uh, on the site in the past that college basketball really isn't my thing for the most part. But like everybody else, the NCAA tournament is hard not to pay attention to. I'm bringing in Ian Castleberry uh, to join me. Ian not only writes columns for the site. He has served as our assistant content director. So he also has an eye on all the news going on at the site. And Ian, when it comes to the tournament, one of the things that has jumped out is the fact that people are watching again. And that's not to say that ratings had been in the toilet, but we're talking about five year highs for the NCAA tournament in 2022. Why do you think that is? I
2: have to admit, I'm surprised because there didn't seem to be any interest or appetite for college basketball during the regular season. So I don't know if we're just so sports starved that you know after the Super Bowl there hadn't been much going on other than um, free agency or, or, or things like that. So people are just are diving back in, but um, you know not to get too lofty about this, but I, I think maybe this is sort of a, another uh, sign of returning to normalcy. You know, people are going back to the office, so they're having brackets and pools and. Mm-hmm. And things like that and people are catching up and and i think this tournament in particular you you kind of have everything that appeals to to fans you know you have uh the cinderella team like st peter's but you also have uh the traditional powers doing well <laughs> Um, As well, because, you know, everybody likes the upsets, but then you have a sweet 16 where it's like, uh, you know, Loyola Chicago versus Murray State and I would rather see Carolina versus Kentucky.
1: No, I mean, Um, that is a really good point. And, and, And to that point, like the biggest audiences we have seen we're for second round games between Michigan state and Duke. And then also Michigan and Tennessee. I I don't know if it is your beloved Wolverine state just can't get enough of their college basketball teams, (laughs) how much the coach K storyline is driving that. But at the end of the day, you know, brands matter. I mean, people can complain all they want about that Yankees run of the uh, late nineties and early two thousands, the Shaq Kobe Lakers, those storylines bring people to the television and it's really interesting to think about what this tournament looks like next year without coach k
2: yeah and coach k has been such a storyline maybe he's been the storyline even for people who weren't following college basketball right like oh uh, it's his last year you know the ratings for for his final game uh, against carolina but um yeah th- this is i mean you know this as well as anybody you know people say oh i i don't like seeing the same teams or I don't like dynasties, but I mean, the ratings prove otherwise in in every sport, right? We, we like the Yankees. We like the Cowboys. Right. We like the Lakers. We like Duke uh, and Carolina. So yeah, I, I, we're, we're getting that this year too.
1: Yeah, we don't like seeing the same matchup over and over again, right? Like the the Warriors, Cavs, the Alabama Clemson, but we like seeing the big guy fall. And what's interesting this year is the big guy falling happened in the first round in a big way. And e, uh, Ian Eagle really punctuated that. You wrote this great piece about how much he has shined uh, in the early rounds of the tournament. How much of it is Ian is just really good at what he does and how much of it is that St. Peter's upset of Kentucky was a gift?
2: Yeah, Ian Eagle, of course, uh, to, to everybody listening, you know, he, he is a fantastic broadcaster. I think everybody knows how good he is. Uh, we, we ran a piece, I think, a couple of weeks ago uh, from – I forget who he was talking to, but, uh, uh, you know, how difficult the prep can be. Mm. Uh, But, you know, this is hardly his his first rodeo. And I think uh, there's been some luck to it, too, some fortune, right? Like I and Eagle happened to be uh, in that regional where uh, uh, St. Peter's uh, upset Kentucky, where Michigan uh, played Tennessee. And he's had some great calls, not just memorable calls like, you know, let the Peacocks fly. St. Mm-hmm. Peter's beats Kentucky, but, you know, we also saw some of his uh, clever pop culture references, especially in the Michigan uh, Tennessee game where he, he kept uh, referencing uh, Bruce Dickinson and the Saturday night live skit <laughs> when talking about Hunter Dickinson and that, I mean, that sort of thing just takes off on social media, right? I mean, whether it's people playing the clip or, or people just laughing about those references, I and mean, Eagle is just, just hitting all the notes, checking all the boxes there.
1: You know what's interesting? You included a tweet in that story from uh, Craig Carton that said that there should be a uh, contractual agreed-upon thing that whenever a game goes to the last five minutes, if it's close, we automatically cut to eye and Eagle uh, to do the play-by-play. <laughs> I- I've thought about this in the past of just what a... I don't know. It just has always felt like an ill fit to me. Uh, Jim Nance calling the final four when he doesn't call any other college basketball game all year. You know, in the past, I would say, gosh, that should be Gus Johnson. Now it does feel like it should be Ian Eagle. I-, I wonder if you would agree with me or think this is not as big of a thing as I do. Like, It seems like CBS is a little bit tone deaf to their college basketball audience by shoving Jim Nance to the front of the line versus these guys that do a much better job of capturing the excitement of a basketball game.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's uh, Jim Nance has that presence, right? I mean, he is sort of an institution at CBS, so he he's uh, most likely not going to be moved off of that. But I think, yeah, Jim Nance is a big game, big event voice, uh, but he's just not as fun as somebody like Ian Eagle and I, I'm looking in the crowd, people are raising their hand. What about Kevin Harlan? Uh, that would be another sure. guy uh, who, who also, he has that big game voice. He rises to the moment. He can work in clever references. He has a sense of humor. Um, yeah. I think uh, CBS could use that a little bit more for, for the final four uh, and the national championship. I mean, Jim Nance, uh, he, he's, he's great. I mean, he has, uh, he's an iconic broadcaster, but yeah, that team of, uh, of Jim Nance, uh, Bill Raftery, and Grant Hill, they're okay. I just don't think. I mean, they're they're a, a big game crew. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Grant Hill. I could go kind of either way on him. Same. But uh, Bill Raftery, I, I think, kind of elevates Jim Nance in terms of bringing that fun. I mean, it was it, when he was when Jim Nance was pa- paired with Billy Packer. I mean that was just such a buzzkill sourpuss crew. I felt like uh, because of Bill uh, Billy Packer, and I think Bill Raftery at least brings some of what we're talking about with Iron Eagle uh, and Kevin Harlan to a broadcast.
1: So if you think back to the regular season, at the end of the regular season, before we even got to conference tournament, Coach K's final home game at Cameron Indoor. Drew, just under 4 million viewers, and it was the most watched college basketball game that ESPN has aired in three years. All right, Duke's second round game against Michigan State got 11.23 million viewers. Clearly people are watching the NCAA tournament that don't recognize any of these players, that don't know from year to year who is actually good outside of reputation. Brandon Kravitz wrote about this this week for the site. It is the only major iconic event in American sports where our listeners almost expect, particularly in your part of the country, maybe not in North Carolina where I am, but certainly where you are down in Orlando, Brandon, people kind of expect that there's a very good chance they may know more than you do about this thing.
0: Yes, definitely. And there is a casual audience for March Madness that's staggering. Millions upon millions of people are filling out brackets every single year, picking teams that they've never watched in their (laughs) lives. They (laughs) couldn't tell you where they are located. They couldn't tell you their mascot or a single player on the team, yet they can confidently tell you, a team like Oral Roberts will beat Ohio State. Why? Because you know there are going to be upsets, so all of our brackets are ruined within the first weekend. Yet we all still do it. Nobody has any idea what they're talking about, unless you are in one of those blue blood states or cities where college basketball is life. Uh, it is. It just it garners the attention of a casual sports fan, unlike anything else outside of the Super Bowl. But com- you know, comparing
1: anything to the NFL is a fool's errand yeah, I mean, you're talking about a much lower percentage of potential casual fans for the Super Bowl, right? I mean, this this huge audience that uh, Duke and Michigan State got, that's an average Sunday for uh, the NFL, and that's a big difference. And, you know, your piece that you wrote on Monday overlaps with something I wrote last Wednesday where I advocated for Turner and CBS should just take the studio shows to Las Vegas. I mean, that's where the action is for these things, and that's where you sort of get the real feel of what the NCAA tournament is um the casual betting aspect of this thing even before sports betting was legalized anywhere outside of Nevada it really shows you that if you put some skin in the game you can convince yourself you're a fan of anything even horrible basketball oh
0: definitely and was the biggest benefit that we had in Florida in that blissful month where sports <laughs> betting was legalized is i felt like i could get away talk uh, with talking about a Hawks Pistons game on right. a Tuesday night. <laughs> and people would be interested if I told them what side I was on uh, with the spread and with the, with the basketball tournament, it's much of the same because you have this, you have the super casual listeners that will, that will say, Oh, I know what matchup you're talking about. I also picked the 12 versus the five, right. Not worried about the spread. And then you can go one level deeper and actually isolate those games and talk about the lines and the movement and all of that, and and it's something that people get into. It's the format. The format absolutely sells. It's one and done. It's the emotion of it. Um, it's I think the expansiveness of it. The fact yep. that you have sixty four teams. The NCAA was very smart to do that. It hasn't always been that that way. <laughs> I've, it wasn't until I think nineteen eighty five they expanded to sixty four. So right. uh, and now they're up to sixty eight teams. It's just incredible the uh, the amount of interest that an event gets where nobody has any idea what they're talking about. There's really nothing else like it. At least with football, all, most people can kind of get by in a conversation. You couldn't have a passable conversation with your grandmother about the point guard at Michigan State. <laughs> it's just not going to happen.
1: I, I want to overlap this column you wrote this week with the one you wrote last week about what it takes to get to women's sports uh, some conversation on Sports Talk Radio because I think one thing that column overlooked and if you don't have the experience of being in one of these markets i can get it but you know when i work in columbia south carolina and uh the don staley's Gamecocks cox teams are far and away the favorites to win the ncaa tournament people expect to hear a little bit about it and i wonder if you think that is you know it requires a level of dominance or if it requires a level of dominance contrasting with the men's team is really bad
0: I think that that is definitely part of it. We actually experienced a really small amount of what you're talking about this past year with UCF, Mm -hmm. UCF women's team. This was the best season they had ever put together. uh, And they went up against the Gators in round one. So there's that local field, a lot of Gator fans, a lot of Gator, Gator alums in Orlando, certainly a lot that support UCF. And then in round two, it was it was the most viewed nationally, the most viewed game in the women's tournament thus far was UCF versus UConn. I and mean, UConn is the dynasty yep. of women's college basketball. And UCF's men's team wasn't that good this year. They didn't even make an NIT bid. So there was a little bit of interest there. And so I I got a glimpse of that. I do think that that's what it takes because if UCF's men's team was in the tournament, it would have completely overshadowed the women's tournament. I think in general, that's what we see happen. It's hard for the women's brand to truly grow when they're going up against a brand that is already established, that already has that casual audience. If all of my time investment is in the men's tournament, I don't know that I'm going to make that same time for the women's game. That's on a couple of hours later, or if I've watched basketball incessantly for four days, and then you give me a game on Tuesday night, I need a
1: minute. Like, and this is a good place to end. Like we are watching the women's tournament finally in the last two years, get the same television presence that the men's tournament is in the sense that every game is on television now, thanks to the the plethora of ESPNs. Uh, But every game is on television now. Um, ESPN has always done a good job of at least giving the women's tournament a presence in their bracket challenge. Now I think they do a much better job of promoting it. Last year we heard the report that um, I can't remember what the group was that said that basically the NCAA does not get as much money as they could out of TV rights for the women's tournament. I would be really curious to see what the ratings are like on Tuesday. Cause I wonder if those games Suffer from a burnout of basketball or benefit from hey, one more day of this?
0: I think it's probably a burnout. I know that for me, I love watching the NCAA, the men's NCAA tournament. I watched more basketball between Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday than I can even fathom. It was like 600 hours. And then, yeah, then it was UCF UConn on, I think it was Monday night. And I'm like, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I can hear another shoe squeak on a floor or a ball
1: bounce (laughs) off of a rim. I don't think I can do it. You know what a quick cure for why am I sitting on my couch all day watching these games are? Just flip over to an NBA game for five minutes, and you realize, oh, the ball doesn't have to miss five times before it goes in. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks to Brandon and to Ian. Always appreciate the members of our staff stopping by to talk about what they have written and what they have observed during the week. Uh, I think it will be interesting to see what NCAA tournament ratings do going forward. Does sports gambling play a role? I mean, certainly on weekend one. I do wonder, though, how much less basketball actually plays a role and how much interest do we really have as a nation in this St. Peter's story going forward. Cinderella stories are great when they happen. They aren't always great for broadcast ratings, though. We'll get into all of that next week. Talk to you then. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.